You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, how's everyone doing this evening? Good, good. So good to see you. It's great to be with you last week. And uh, is it is it wrong to feel like okay that you're not the only person sick? Not not that I I want Kent to be sick. <laughs> But the fact that he's sick and I'm sick kind of makes me feel like a camaraderie there. So it's good. So, you know, last week we kind of jumped into a particular aspect of walking in the spirit and really looked at over all the slides and the exercises that we did, kind of honed in on that mutually responsive moment by moment relationship, fellowship with the spirit. Did you get that? Was that your overall takeaway that it's a. A moment by moment, it's interactive, it's mutually responsive, and that's where, you know, we can't just live by principle. That's where we need the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? Okay. And we, we did a couple exercises. One that we ended on talking about doing and then talking about being together and uh, discussing it was really out of uh, Isaiah 55. And how many of you got a chance to kind of read that slowly, take some notes? Uh, get some insights from that. That's, that's great. Um, let's just have a little bit of sharing. What what stood out to you as you read that slowly and stopped wherever uh, something jumped out to you or led you to have a certain impression? Now, I don't know everyone's name, so I'm just going to point and say, in the back with the red shirt. It does. So that was actually the coolest thing about the whole thing. And then, um, uh, and then the John thing, which was really kind of like, yeah, if you're not in here, you're not going to really grow. So I should have. Okay. Amen. Other, yeah. The, the, the fact that you could catch yourself asking the question is part of the process, of part of the dialogue with God. When he says something and you're like, mm, I'm not so sure, or really? And then... He has more to say about it, more, more impressions to lay on your heart. Other comments? Yes, all the way in the back. Absolutely. That's part of uh, the wind blowing where it pleases, right? So is the person born of the Spirit. Yes? You know, um, Isaiah has the many scriptures in it that we know are for everyone. It's like, I never thought it was just for the Jewish people. I mean, this scripture, Isaiah 55, was written like it was written for anyone that's thirsty. So, and I'm always thirsty. So it's like, no, he's speaking directly to me. Or if we're talking about having a personal relationship with God, it doesn't get more personal than this. Because even though it's written to all of us, when you read it, it's like it's written just to you, like a love letter to you as an individual. And that's how you made me look at it this time when I read it. I've read the scriptures many times, but the whole 55, but 
not as personally as I did from your lesson last week. So thank you very much for, for helping me to see this as a personal love letter to me. Amen. And we're, we're going to take that even one step further uh, as we roll into the rest of this session and the third and the fourth session. That it goes from love letter to personal in the moment communication. You guys know the difference between that, right? You know, we have, well, if you're married, you shouldn't have boxes of old love letters, but you know, there was a day where you, you had a box of letters from the one that you loved, if it's not, you know, your present spouse, or you have it from your spouse now, and you just kind of can go back and say, that's what they felt then. That's what they expressed then. But then the spouse is right there maybe in the room with you, or your loved one is in the house with you. So we have to decide, do I go with this written letter that was a sentiment from maybe five years ago, or do I go with the person who is with me present now? And that's a big difference. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Other thoughts? Yes. All right, fantastic. And maybe one other? Yes. Um, I can't think of you guys, I'm being real. Um, I, was, I was reading it with my, my neighbors, my good friends. Can you guys hear in the back? Can you guys hear me? I was reading with my neighbors who live in my apartment building, and um, I was telling about what, we, what, what you just shared with us. And the two things I really got from this, it says um, in verse... Okay, verse 2, it says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. And the reason why that was so great, you guys, is because I've been trying to share with them my heart and help them and what you were saying last week and how every time we listen to God's word, it's not as clear as A, B, C, D. You have to go go after. You have to read over and over again and re-listen. And the other part that really impacted all my whole building and everybody was um, verse. Sorry, you guys, I can't think of it. Verse six. It says, "Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord." And he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. And my, my, my friend in the building, my girlfriend, she always asks, well, how do you know God's so good? How do you know he listens to you? And when we do over this, this um, lesson, this book, the scripture, she kept, I kept telling you, the more we pray about it, more we talk to God, more we, we listen to him, that's what happens. If you feel your spirit, you have a thirst, you know. I'm sure you guys experienced it when it was real hot. Was it last week? <laughs> and when you said about thirst, about what the scripture said, thirst for his word, I was telling her it's the same thing. Everybody in my building was trying to break into each other's house for water because we were all thirsty. We wanted to go after it. And I was trying to explain to her that's what it means by going after God's word. When you seek and you go after it day after day like that, he fills your spirit. Amen. 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 Excellent. Well, th- this passage is... is so rich, and I really appreciate those who shared, um, and we'll, we'll have some time for sharing together as we continue this evening. One of the things in our fellowship that I've observed over the 36 years that I've been a disciple, and, you know, been here in L.A. and in Chicago and in Milwaukee, and I've, you know, been in churches in Atlanta and really all over the place, is in our particular fellowship, from my experience, we are very uh, committed-oriented, commitment-oriented, and devotion oriented and uh, take up your cross oriented. Would you agree with that? Yes. That's kind of our, our, our brand, so to speak, what we're known for. And even when it comes to walking with God, we can be very commitment, obedient, 
I will do it, God, no matter what it costs. Uh, I will run the race oriented. And that, that is to be honored and praised. But one of the things that really stands out in Isaiah 55 here, and I do believe it is a universal appeal, it's a universal invitation, a universal offer, is that basically Isaiah is saying, if you want to live, if you want to have the best that God has to offer, if you want, quote-unquote, God's wine and God's milk and God's bread, just the, the best that heaven has to offer, then it's going to be, you're going to receive it by learning how to receive. You're not going to work for the best of heaven. You're never going to earn the best of heaven. You're not going to pay for it with commitment. You're not going to pay for it with devotion. You're not going to pay for it with longevity. You're not going to pay for it with going without. You're not going to pay for it with, with traveling great distances to be on missionary teams. Because he says, remember, look at this. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And that's, if, if we just take one thing with us from tonight, I hope it's this. This idea that what God has to offer, the covenant that he's made with us, is that he is going to pour into our lives. He's going to speak into our lives. He's going to be the one that transforms our lives. He's going to give us a new heart and a new spirit that wills to do the things that are of God. And what we need to do is learn what Isaiah is talking about. is How do I come to God and receive? Now, is that radical for anybody in how you've typically... Okay, I see a couple smiles, a couple nods, a couple of people writing down, this is really convicting. I know I'm not supposed to be convicted from what he said last week, but man, am I feeling it. <laughs> you know, that, remember, this is learn not to burn. That's not the intent of our time together. But I, it was just so radical for me. So radical to just grasp and, and begin to grasp the concept that it is not my education, my pedigree, my resume. There's nothing about me that has happened. There's nothing about me in the present. I will not aspire to anything in the future that God will look at and say, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Come and eat. No string of unbroken quiet times is God looking for, for he says, come and eat. No, no extended period without that particular sin that you struggle with and have since you were before you were baptized. It's not God saying, well, if you could just do three months, if you could do a year, if you could do six weeks, then I'll give you the one. No, see, that's labor. Amen. That's earning it through our performance, earning it through our behavior, earning it through our own righteousness instead of the righteousness that is impugned to us by what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Now, does this sound like cheap grace? Okay, I hear some no's. I see some head shaking. I, how does this fall? Does it, I, I'm not hearing like a, oh yeah, of course, tell us something we don't know. So this is the feedback time. This is the interactive workshop. You got to tell me what you think and how you're feeling. I saw a hand over here. Okay. Yeah, no matter how much we mess up, God is with us. God is for us. Yeah. Chris? I think uh, for me it's, a, kind of, it's, it's an intellectual thing that I understand. Okay. Something other than just sit and you know 
meditate and, and, and let God do His thing. And, and why is that? Why are, you, why are you hoping it's something more than that? I want you to say, all right, you know, five minutes from now, all right, here's step one, two, three, which you're not going to do okay. in order to get to that point. Okay. Because that's just, you know, it, it, it's tough to let go. It's tough to okay. surrender. It's tough to get to that point uh, in a continuous state as opposed to just in intervals of, you know, letting God and then, you know, life happens and then I take it back and then, oh wait, no, I need to give it back to God, but to be in that continual state of letting God be who he is. Okay. Okay. I, I appreciate that. I mean, there is a certain aligning of ourselves to receive from God. So there's something we do, but that aligning of our spirits is nothing compared to what God actually pours into us. Okay. So, yes. That's a great question. And it kind of comes back to, on the one hand, you don't have to do anything to be loved. This is where I get the rousing amen, right? Amen. <laughs> Oh, but when some, but when you find out that somebody loves you, oh, you want to act in all kinds of ways because you found out that you've been loved. So when, when you grasp the love of Christ or when you receive it, it will make you very active, but there's no activity you can take that will have you receive it. Okay. So just hold on to that for a moment. Okay. I, I really appreciate it. That comment and that and that sentiment. The blue shirt here, yes. So uh, I appreciate you sharing, but so it's it's about the why. So it's not the action that's the issue. It's about why you do the action. So Second Corinthians five fourteen says, "For Christ's love compels us." So that's the why about those things. Where does it come from? Why am I doing it? Am I doing it for praise or acknowledgement or thing? Or am I doing it because I'm compelled from Christ's love, a gift that's free? So for me, it's about the why uh, with the actions, not about whether they're mutually exclusive or good or bad. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, we have, we have sliced why a lot of different ways. So I 100% agree and would send everybody in the direction that you just spoke. If their why was a movement and desire of their heart. If their why was because Christ died for me, I ought to want to do this thing I don't want to do, but I'm going to. And my why is because Christ died for me. That doesn't get it. I give you maybe 20 years and then you're just sitting in the pew, but you're not really here. Okay. Oh, you want doubles back there. Okay. Right.
I love that. Love it. Yes, Steve. So I think there's a couple different prongs going on. I think first you see God's attitude towards us, like a, a father to a child, that we want the best for our children. But then I also think there are calls to action in the scripture. It's not do nothing. He says come to the waters and buy and eat and buy with with buy wine and milk. So when you think about that, well, I don't have any money. How am I going to buy something? So there's a trust issue. So we want in our society, we set up this false sense of security. If I have money, I'll take a step. If I have a, an assurance that this will work, I'll take a step. But God is saying, trust me. Come to me without money. I'm going to give you wine and milk. Now somebody's thinking, I don't have any money. How can I buy wine and milk? But God's saying, take that step to me. I'll give it to you, and you have no money. So there's a clear call to action. There's no, I'm just going to sit and nothing. It's get over that institutional mindset that I have to have security before I act. And God is saying, trust me, I'm going to give you everything you need to come to me. So that, that's sort of where I, because I get in that mindset, I just got to sit there and do nothing. But then I'm like, no, it's a clear call to action. And then I think that's the spirit in our own lives. So we all have something inside of us that's telling us what to do. Whether it's go, be, whatever your profession, your vocation, the spirit is calling you to that. God is saying, come on, I'll give you that. And that's like, that's right how I see it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Well said. I, I think the, the, the alignment, what we do to receive, does take some, some action, right? But commensurate with what God gives us, it's very clear, we did not earn this. We did not cause this. We did not generate this. We just, it's like a, like a deep suntan, right? <laughs> When you see someone with a deep suntan, you don't know how rich they are or how poor they are. You don't know how fast they are or how slow they are. You don't know what their title is or if they have no title at all. All you know is that they've spent a lot of time in the sun. Somehow they got to where the sun was and they, they, they exposed themselves for a long time. That's all you can discern. And there's so much about transformation in our hearts is the same way. We carved out a space, we, we opened up our heart to God, and we sat there. You know, some of the churches and movements today, they use the term soak. You just soaked in God. But you can't, it's hard to soak in God on the 405. Right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find some space and quiet yourself. But I get ahead of myself. Todd, yes. Um, I'm trying to soak in this, brother. Okay. <laughs> and it's great, you know. We did the word study. Uh, we're we're not like these people that have traditions. Um, we're sold out disciples. But being a sold out disciple means there's all these things that you do, and we uh, qualify them. They're numerical. Usually, you can count them. I shared with three people. I gave contributions. Church. Now I'm okay. I'm a disciple. Yeah. But that becomes a lot of that stuff becomes our tradition. Yeah. And um, being able to qualify or yeah, what's the quality of my experience? What's my experience with God? What's this relationship like? Is it healthy? Not healthy? Um, where's it leading me? Uh, How is it filling me up? It's a hard thing to measure. You can't measure it. I think it makes some of us a little, uh, uh-oh, I don't know if I'm a sold-out disciple. I think we've been afraid in our culture that if we just soak in this, we won't do anything, and we'll just sit around and be lazy, so, something like that. And we want to be productive disciples, um, that kind of thing. So I think this is a mature and a call for us to mature and be led by the Spirit. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys res- Does that resonate with you? Yeah. What are you saying? And uh, let me just tell you, it's, man, I'm way off my agenda today. This, this is spirit-led already. You're uh, uh, You know, the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has in store for those who love him, right? If that's true, then why are we always looking for somebody else to give us a vision for our lives? If no eye has seen, <laughs> no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived, if God alone knows, why are we always asking for each other? Why, why are we put out that the leadership doesn't have more vision for us? 
why so-and-so doesn't recognize me in the small group. They don't know. God knows the plans He has for you. And the idea of, of growing up and maturing, I've had brothers you know, come to me and say, can the leaders in your group talk to the leaders in our group about how to get the older brothers engaged? And I'm like, oh, how do I say this in a brotherly, unified, respectful way? Uh, the leaders in our group did not take the action to move along the older brothers. The older brothers had to walk with God Amen. and be moved by Him. And, and sooner or later, you know, you know it as a... I, I, I'm going to get gender here. As, as a young man, you know when you're feeling like, I could probably take Dad, or I could probably take some uncle or something, and then you feel like you can't. Um, but you get to a point in life, male or female, where you start pushing the boundaries, and, it, and there's a sense of, i got to live me. i got to do me. I, I respect my parents. I respect the household. I respect Mom. I respect Dad. But i got to do me. And all of us in our spiritual maturity will have to get to a point where we are listening to God and God says, like Steve was saying, I, I want you to step out in this direction. We can't, well, I'm going to go to my D group. And so, you know, God says he wants me to step out in this direction. Is, is it okay for me to step in this direction? Uh, brother, what do you think about me stepping out in this direction? <laughs> Sister, what do you think about me stepping out in this direction? Uh, what do you think about, you know, can I get a vote? How many of you want me to step out in this direction? Uh, do I need 50, 51%? It's just a two-thirds thing. What do I? And that's, that's how we're wired. And so it's an act of faith. It's an act of maturity. It's an act of trust to just hear God, sense God, and move in God's direction. Now, if you're mature, you're going to be more loving in that process than you were before. If you're immature, well, I'm doing this because God told me to. I don't care what y'all say. That's the immature. The mature says, I understand, many of you understand what I'm doing, and, and that support is encouraging. I understand some of you don't. Let's talk about it. Uh, some of you disagree. Let's pray that God would, you know, allow us to have a bond of love despite the many different directions that God may take us, because only the Holy Spirit knows the whole puzzle. We're all just an individual piece. And so you, you know when you are walking in the Spirit and you are talking to people you normally don't talk to, and, and you are sensitive to bridging old divides, uh, even as you go in a direction that others may not be going, you know that God has given you a heart of unity and a heart of love and a heart of compassion and a heart of sensitivity. You're not just busting out and doing your own thing and saying, you know, the heck with everybody else. That is not the spirit of Jesus, right? Neither Old Testament nor New Testament. Does that make sense to you? So you, nobody can give you that level of maturity. But you can recognize that level of maturity by the enhanced unity, love, patience, devotion that you have for the least among us. And those who don't see things as you do. Yes. Is that something we can talk about now, or should we just talk about that? Talk about it. Talk about it? Okay. <laughs> uh, there's, a, um, there's a young man uh, that I'm working with, and I'm going with God every day on that same question. And so what, we, what God's led me to do so far is, first, if you don't have a knowledge of Jesus, and you're not impressed with him, all the... Luke and John passages about being committed and devoted and to what? 
to commitment and devotion if you don't really know and love and aren't impressed with Jesus. So uh, it's just a, we just took Mark chapter 1, and each of us read a verse out loud through the book of Mark and stopped at times and commented on what stood out. He'd ask a question. Ooh, ooh, he'd have something to say about it. I'd have something to say about it. And we just work our way. You know, you read the Gospel of Mark together. You got the church study in there. You got the cross study in there. You got the word study in there. You got the king. It's all, all the studies that we do is in that gospel in context. Um, so we did that. And then uh, one thing I did, and I, I don't know if this is something I would do universally. Are you familiar with the uh, didache or the didache? So the, that, that portion about this is life, we sat down at like umami burgers and just read one line back and forth from that, but not because that's a lot of rules. It could be perceived that way, but there was this really cool piece of art on the wall. And and I said, his name is Lee. I said, Lee, you see that piece of art on the wall? If I was trying to describe it to you, I would describe colors and shapes and angles and balance and contrast. Those are kind of words I would use, but ultimately that is the image I'm trying to paint. When we read through these lines in the Didache, it's not the individual lines. It's the beautiful picture of a spirit of one who is in love with the Lord, a picture of one who is uh, impressed with him and is being moved by him to interact with people and the world as the Lord would. Um, And then just praying together. And some of the assignments that we're doing here is just, we sat at this Mexican restaurant. I think we ate goat and something else. And uh, just across the table, nobody else spoke English but me in that place. He, he could speak a little English. Um, and we just read Isaiah 55, and I just sat there. said, so just take 10 minutes. Take 15 minutes. I'll finish eating, and you, 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 you do the work over here. And you just tell me, what is God putting on your heart? What is God telling you from this passage? And then we drove over to uh, this park in San Marino called Lacey Park. You guys ever heard of that? It's a beautiful park. And we sat there, and we probably talked about our childhood for about 45 minutes. But not just in general. We talked about appreciation moments from our childhood for about 45 minutes of surrogate moms and surrogate dads and aunts and people who stepped into place for us and people who gave us a chance and people who protected us. We just went back. and I didn't know it was going to be that way, but it was really beautiful. And, and he walked away. His spirit was changed and his sense was more, I need to respond to what God has been doing in my life this whole time, not just what I'm learning in the scriptures here with you. So that's, that's a little summary. Does, does that help? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I wouldn't be ashamed. I would just say, you know, maybe you had the training wheels on too long and just take the training wheels off and let God hold them up. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I uh, wanted to kind of echo that. I think what Carrie was saying, many of us grew up in a culture where it feels like, um, I think Byron, you mentioned this concept of cheap grace. Mm -hmm. Grace is not cheap because it costs so much. You know, which is it costs Jesus on the cross, but then it, it also needs to cost something from us, and so there is a sense of. Uh, can, can you re- can you repeat like it, it needs to cost? And, it needs to cost. And, and what is that? Where does that come from? So I think this is kind of uh, part of our training of discipleship. Okay. Of you've got to be committed, and it can't. Let me define some different standards of commitment that are out there. Our commitment is now. Are you making disciples? Name some disciples you've made. Oh, so you haven't achieved this. Mm-hmm. So you're not in grace because you haven't achieved that level yet. And so there was. There's this culture of you need to achieve, and, and there's a sense of like guilt 
and fear and shame. And where I read this, it says, all you who are thirsty, all you who have no money, it's like you're bankrupt. Yeah. Well, that's when, you know, you will have this love, my faithful love promised to David, I'm going to give you. In the end, he has endowed you with splendor. You, you're valuable. You're bankrupt. You're valuable. You're worth everything to me. You are loved, like you said. And so I, I think it is a, a matter of receiving it. And, and I think it's the alignment is just a matter of like opening our eyes to the grace like we've always had. And it's just this sense of like I've, I've been loved since before I was in my mother's womb. I mean, there's just been this, this love constant throughout my life. And when we see that, that that's what's, I think, transformative. And then, then we can let go of kind of this, this pressure to succeed in the world. I, I, I've got to make money. I, I, I have fear if I don't make the money or, or I, I've got guilt or sense of shame. I, I'm not all that. If we can kind of take hold of this, it kind of allows us to really see ourselves in a new way that, that allows us to go, wow, I'm uniquely created. I have gifts. And it, it almost, it does compel you to just want to give and, and be yourself more. We are created for good works. We are created to do this. Not that I need to do that to be valued, but I'm valued. Now I can really become myself and, and be who God created me to be. Well said. Well said. Okay, I've got uh, maybe 15 minutes to get through 14 slides. Here we go. No, we're not going to attempt that. We're just going to get as far as we're going to get, okay? Can you guys read that out loud? Okay. Okay. All right, let's start with keep this book of the law. Right? One, two, three. Keep this book. kind of worked as a team as, a, as the scriptures went on there. I love what the Spirit can do. Um, <clears throat> just a few passages that kind of suggest the in everything, the always, the continually, the moment by moment, just this, this never-endingness of the presence of God and the reality of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And it's like the friend. Like I have a friend at work. His name is Michael Bargeron. I think he might be here next week or the week after. He's our chief information officer. Uh, for the last several years, it is not uncommon for Michael to come and sit down in a chair in my office and start talking for an hour or an hour and a half about whatever. <laughs> not necessarily work-related. And then at the end of it, hey, are we going to do lunch today? Uh, yeah, 11.45, okay. And then 45 minutes, more talking, right? And then we come back, and, you know, before 5 o'clock hits, he'll be in my office again. God's taught me a lot through my friend Michael, you know? Um, you know, first of all, how many of you want to spend three hours with somebody at work every day? How many of you want to spend three hours with a family member? <laughs> every day. I could go to the spouse thing, but we're having a good time tonight. I don't want to mess it up. But I mean, it just really stood. He never asked me, is it okay if I talk? He never asks me, well, my door is usually closed and there's a glass frame there. So he'll wave and I'll, I'll wave him in. That's all he needs is this. And then it's on baby. And you know what? You, you got to like Michael. To want to spend three hours with the guy every day. Four days a week. I get off at 1230 on Fridays. So, you know, we only get maybe four hours together. And I'm just kidding. Uh, but it just dawned on me. You know, my Lori, she knows. He's one of my best buddies. 
we hang out. He's invited me to his birthday things. We've gone, he's got these sea dews, these kind of jet ski things. We've gone down to San Diego with Lori and Blake. And, you know, he's just, it's a great guy. He's, he's, he's a homeboy. He looks German. He's of Cuban, uh, descent. Uh, he's got his bachelor's from UCLA in mathematics. I think he's got his MBA from U, from USC. And he's got his doctorate from USC. And he's just a home skillet. I mean, he just is no pretense about him at all. And like I said, you know, to spend that much time with someone, you got to like them. You got to be safe. You got to be comfortable. And this kind of moment by moment intimacy with God presupposes that we feel safe, that we feel comfortable, that we like him, not not committed to him, not fear him, not obey him, but we like him. We know him and what we know we like. And he likes me. And we can talk about all kinds of things. And it's not always a performance. It's not always a, have you done this for me lately? It's not, what about that thing? You know, do you know that thing I'm talking about? If it's like that, it will never be moment by moment. It might be month by month, but it'll never be moment by moment. So one of the exercises that we want to do is listening to the Word and really considering what it means to be totally known and totally loved at the same time. You ever thought about that concept? Of not just every deed and every word, but every thought and inclination is known by God. And when you add it all together with who God has made us to be and our true identity, I've coined a phrase for it. When God sees us, he says, you got to see this. You know what, what sparks that kind of comment from you? You gotta see, you saw something on YouTube, oh, you gotta see this. You saw, you know, a, another kitten, you gotta see this. You, you, you saw something and it just, it stands out as the world should see this. I believe when God sees us, the true us, everything about us combined, He says, you gotta see this. This is magnificent. But the question is, do we see ourselves that way? So we're just going to take, you know, a couple minutes here. What do we have till uh, 8.45 tonight? Yeah. Okay. We'll take uh, five minutes after we read this passage together and just start writing out your heart's response to what's being impressed upon it, what's coming to mind as we read this passage. O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. You both proceed and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. So, you know, this is from Psalm 139 where the psalmist is basically asking God to search him. To know him. And what what often hinders us from asking God to search us and know us? Fear. Fear of him finding us out. Okay. Like he doesn't know, right? Okay. Him of, being, of, of him finding us out. Fear of, of of reminding us of something we're trying to bury. That's right. Of telling us to do something we're not capable of doing. Of reminding us of something we attempted and failed. Of some sin we committed and said we never would, but we did again. Yes. Yeah, all that, stuff. all that stuff. If that's what God was doing, then we would never have a moment-by-moment relationship because we won't have that. Yes. We're just not going to have it. And we might commit to something for a week, maybe a 40-day thing if the church is really serious, but we're not going to live that way. That's not how our spirit is wired. It's not how our soul is wired. So take a couple minutes. Think about this and write down what comes to mind 
as you think about being totally known and totally loved. Boy, time really flies when you're yeah. pouring out your heart to God, doesn't it? Yeah. So if you can um, steal your pen or pencil or your device for a moment and just give me your attention. When I had a little bit more time than you've had, and I looked at this passage, what stood out to me in part was where it says, you place your hand of blessing on my head. And this is just my stream of thought when I considered what God had done. Lay your hand. That means you are near. I'm desired. I am comforting to touch. I'm worth experiencing. You want to be associated with me. I am precious to you. I satisfy a wonder or curiosity in someone else. I enhance another's being. I enrich another's day and life. If God is blessed by experiencing me more intimately, then so will any and every human being I encounter. You are a blessing, is his words to me. Let your light shine. Put your lamp on its stand for all the world to see. 
you are for the display of God's splendor. When you consider all my thoughts, my ways, my inclinations and attitudes of my heart, you are moved to bless me, not by sending an angel or some other faithful servant, but you personally reach out your hand and touch me to confer blessing on me and feel the touch of your handiwork. When you have more time, it's, it's things like that, that level of, of intimacy and what it must mean from God's perspective to lay his hand on you and many other things in this passage. We're just going to close with the one last slide that will take us into what we'll talk about next week. And that is how we view God. Because see that one, that moment by moment intimacy, that asking God to search us and know us is less likely to happen if we think God despises us or is vindictive for waiting for the shoe to drop or for the rug to be pulled off. Or if we think if God is denying, we're always attempting something, He's always putting the kibosh on, He's always stifling our efforts. When we ask for help, it never comes through. If we think He's just indifferent, doesn't really care if I fail or if I succeed, He's just not that into me. All the way up to permitting, enabling, merciful, and ultimately, that God is love. We'll talk about this next week quite a bit and how these views of God either help us or hinder us from an intimate, mutual, mutually responsive relationship with Him. It's been great being together. Yes. Remember your assignments, right? Appreciation, five to ten minutes in the morning and at night. And John 14 and 15, daily looking at what does this have to do with abiding in Christ. Amen. Thanks. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.